do the things that make you feel good and like you're making an impact in the world. To me, it's way better to be micro famous than it would be to be Tony Robbins famous. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I am super excited for the guest that we have today. Again, as always, we're live streaming this to the Success Center community. So if you're listening to the audio version or watching the YouTube version and you want to be involved in this conversation, head over to Facebook, join the community, and you'll be able to be a part of the recording. Um, my guest today, super excited, we've had some amazing pre-recording conversations, is Matt Johnson. Matt's a marketing agency founder podcaster and musician. He runs a podcast launch and production agency based in San Diego, an international team that helps business coaches, consultants, and thought leaders use done for you podcasting to attract an audience, build influence, and become micro famous. Matt is the author of micro famous and is currently the host of the micro famous podcast. He's a frequent podcast guest and event speaker to audiences around the United States, Canada, and Australia. And I'll tell you, we have had some unbelievable conversations. So I'm really, really excited to get this started. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's an honor. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. So first of all, let's just get this out of the way because I know everybody heard the intro and now they are curious. What is microfamous? <laughs> microfamous means uh, to be famously influential to the right people. And it's, it's an introvert's dream, right? Like I, I don't need to be stopped in the grocery store for an autograph. God forbid. I just want to get in and get out and get my food and go home. Uh, but when I show up to an industry conference, I want everyone to know who I am. And to me, that's that's really what, especially like coaches and consultants, if you want to have an impact, work with ideal clients, you know, like just do do the things that make you feel good and like you're making an impact in the world. To me, it's way better to be micro famous than it would be to be Tony Robbins famous. I really don't want to live that life of of constant motion. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, most of the people that I work with are the same way. Even a lot of the extroverts I work with are not big on social media. They appreciate Gary Vee, but they're not about to go spending all day taking 15 selfies on Instagram. So that's really where Microfamous came from, was working with those sorts of people and kind of being in the podcasting world, seeing a different way that things can be done and then just systematizing it. You know, it's so powerful what you talk about, because, you know, we talked about this before we came on air, but the idea that you have to be everywhere, you have to be everything to everyone doesn't work for introverts. We're going to get yeah. into introverts in just a minute for all of those of you who are listening. That's like, I'm not one of those people. right? <laughs> um, so we'll dig into that because chances are you are one of those people. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea that you have to be everything to everyone. This was something that really stuck out to me with your content is being everything to the right people. 
And I was thinking about a quote that I heard, and I don't remember where I heard it. I was having a conversation with somebody and they said, it's not about how many people you know, it's about how many people know you. And I thought this was really a cool representation of that is being famous to the people who are going to help other people know you. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. And, and when I think of, um, you know, like if you want to make an impact on the world, it's not just about being like people knowing your name or even knowing your face, like you've got to be known for something. And when you speak, people have to listen and take action. So that's why I'm so keyed in on influence because if you want to make an impact on the world, when you speak, people got to actually take action. So yeah, it's a combination of, yeah, you want to be famous, but ultimately if you want to make an impact, you want to be famously influential because when you speak, you want people to actually get their button gear and do something, uh, especially if you're coaching. I mean, if you're, if you've done any type of coaching and consulting for long, you know what it's like to pour your heart and soul into somebody and watch them go, yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to do this over here. <laughs> and yeah. then just screaming off in the other direction. Uh, that is not fun for anyone. And that it, it just, it undercuts you from actually making an impact that you want to make in the world. So yeah, that's why the goal is, you know, unlike, you know, we, we talked about this in the pre-recording, like if you're more drawn to Seth Godin, then you are to Gary Vee, like you're my person. You may not think of yourself as an introvert. We can talk about that in a second. But basically, if you're drawn to Seth Godin, if you like his content, you'll like the conversation we're going to have because it changes the goal of your marketing from the Gary Vee attention at all costs model to influence at all costs. And to me, like, like that's where the entire focus of my marketing is completely different. I do not focus on what gets the maximum number of eyeballs. I focus on the things that will build me real enduring influence for the next 10, 20, 30 years in, in the space that I run in. And I think for a lot of, you know, I mean, you can be introverted or you can be just an extrovert that doesn't want to be active on social media all the time. That probably sounds a lot better than spending eight hours on Instagram responding to comments trying to grow a following. Yeah. And growing a following that's actually going to engage with you. Right. And because there was, we're seeing the shift in social media where before it was like, what's my numbers? How many followers can I get? And then we enter into this podcasting space where we're talking about having either 10,000 followers or 1000 engaged fans, you know, which would you rather have? And all of a sudden this conversation about numbers is changing, which is changing the way that we market. So I love what you're talking about, about influence instead of eyeballs, because eyeballs don't necessarily mean anything. So we talked about this introvert idea and I shared with you that once I understood this, my life changed. So I want to know for you, what do you think the difference is between an introvert and an extrovert? How do you define those things um, Mm. for those that are listening and saying, but I'm not an introvert? Right. Well, it's definitely not whether you like people or not. I, I love people. I'm just like you. I love people. Um, it depends on who they are. And I've realized that my the circle of people that I want to surround myself with on a day-to-day basis is probably smaller than other people's. But there was some really interesting work that came out in the 60s by a psychologist. And he was the one that put that theory out there that the only thing that makes you an introvert is this that you recharge better alone, right? Being around people kind of draws your energy down and then you have to go away and recharge by being by yourself. That's what makes you an introvert. So I know people, especially in in the circles that I run in, that are mostly like, you know, thought leadery, business coachy types. Uh, They'll crawl over broken glass to speak in front of a thousand people. And I would too. I love public speaking. I love being around people in that setting. But God, you put me into like a networking, like a cocktail hour and you tell me to go like collect business cards and I want to shoot myself. Uh, It's the worst thing ever. Uh, So it's all, it's, it's not about whether you like people. It's not about whether you like even being in public or public speaking or anything like that. 
uh, to me, it's strictly just how do you recharge? You hit the nail on the head before we even recorded. Uh, so once you understand that, I think it frees you up and you realize, okay, that that makes sense now. That now I understand why when I do a speaking gig, I love the speaking, but I don't want to go to your cocktail hour or your award ceremony afterwards. I just want to go back to the hotel. It's like there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Dan Kennedy was famous for being like that um, and it worked just fine for him. Yeah. Uh, Seth Godin is probably like that. Like he, Seth Godin doesn't do anything now where he has to travel a certain space beyond New York, right? You have to pay him three times as much to get him out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so once you realize that, I think it frees you up um, from all the misconceptions and the labels and stuff. And the people that, that label introverts the hardest are the extreme social extroverts. They think something is wrong with you. So Gary Vee is probably looking at all the people that don't want to do what he does and going, ah, you're just not working hard enough. I was like, no, you don't. You literally don't understand what it feels like to be exhausted just from being around people for an hour. And so if you can't relate to that, then I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not going to take all of your marketing advice. I'll take the stuff that works for me, but I'm certainly not going to follow your life path. Yeah. And that's something that people really should embrace all around is take the stuff that works for you, but don't embrace everything. I feel like no matter who it is, if it's me, if you're listening to Matt, like, please, for God's sake, don't listen to everything that we say and think that nothing else matters, right? Like take the pieces that work for you, take, build together what works for you because everybody's different, but there's so many people that fall in. Okay. This person says this, so I have to do it. Oh wait, this is different advice. So what do I follow? Right. Yeah. It's this trial and error. Um, I also want to bring to light the idea that like, first of all, I share your networking. I don't even want to call it a fear, just disgust with being in a room. <laughs> um, and I, I'm part of a networking a group here in Vegas that's amazing. And we focus on relationships instead of sharing business cards. But you're right. You get yourself in a room where you know that like somebody's coming at you with 27 business cards and they're going to give them all to you and just hope that they make them somewhere <laughs> other than the trash can. Um, I, I, I can't. So um, but this, this, intro, this introverted thing isn't necessarily just in person either. This is where your social media conversation comes in as well is you're on a zoom call with somebody, you're doing a Facebook live with somebody like mentally that interaction is the same as if you were in a room with them when your brain is processing whether or not you need to recharge. Do you think? I think it's similar. Um, so I, the interesting thing about podcasting that I've noticed is the fact that you can have really deep, like long form, authentic conversations with people. And I'm still in my physical comfort zone, right? So I'm in my place. This is my office. I've got my keyboards and guitars over there. So like I'm physically in my comfort zone, but I'm able to talk to somebody and have amazing deep conversations. So it doesn't drain me at, as much as it would if I were sitting like, uh, let's say at a bar at a happy hour in between sessions at an event. And there's a whole bunch of other people around. So there, I think there is a difference in just how introverts kind of handle uh, online. But when it comes to social media specifically, man, the what, what it takes now to get attention, like it takes more time and energy to reach somebody on social media now than any time in social media's history, because social media has evolved to the point where they've decided what they want is for you to be on your phone, creating, creating the content like as close to real time as possible, and then engaging in real time as much as humanly possible. That's the stuff that like introverts go, whoa, this is gone. Like I could handle like when I, when I could schedule my tweets a month in advance, you had me now that I have to pick up the phone and be live. 
and I have to engage and I have to be aware of my phone all throughout the business day and into the night so that I can engage the people just to get some more traction. Like that's where you've lost introverts. And I don't think the social media companies have really caught up to that. And maybe they don't even care. But right now, that's the reality that we're living in is that social media has evolved to where they have decided they are going to reward the most outrageous, most extroverted, most social butterflies and everyone else that the message is, well, either you become that or become irrelevant. And I think introverts are just looking at that going, man, I just I can't we can't do it. Yeah. And, you know, we've been having this conversation in the marketing world for a while now about how you should be careful about putting all of your eggs in a social media basket, like what happens if your account gets disabled and now you don't have a CRM, right? So anybody that's in the marketing field or business coaching field has been telling you like, get a CRM, get an email list, get this off of social media. But now that social media has become so good at distracting you for the purposes of furthering their agenda for you know their advertisers and things to that effect, it's even more important. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, it's. I was just talking to this over the client the other day because he was he's he's an extrovert and he's on uh, Instagram and he's on TikTok and he's on YouTube and and he's looking at all these things and there and of course he's got like a young assistant in her early twenties and they're looking well how do you tie tie all these things together and I just ask him how do they get on the email list and of course the the assistant in in the early twenties is that he's like uh, well we don't really, you know it's like well we're promoting TikTok on Instagram I'm like I don't care about any of that how are they getting into the email list and is the email list growing consistently it's like well not really you know we don't have a really good way for them to get in the email list I'm like stop until you do that don't worry about any of that other stuff because that yeah not only can it can it disappear overnight and that's that's a risk but it's that's not everybody the the real risk is that you just won't ever move anybody into a place where you can build a deeper relationship with them you know that that's what's so interesting about podcasting is podcasting is the place where people spend 30 40 60 minutes with you they don't spend that much time with you anywhere else even on youtube yeah um so instagram yeah they may they may see and interact with your post for 30 seconds as it flies by in their feed but they that's not any anything compared to the interaction you want that will actually get you clients so if you build your following and then you leave your following there and you focus all of your time there best case scenarios you're trying you're trying to get them into the the comment section to messaging to calls and that's a hard like that's a hard thing for introverts to do that doesn't come super natural to us like that's a very sales heavy activity so people that are good salespeople are good at that because all it is is just sales and online form so that absolutely works but for introverts it's tough and so if that's um if you leave your audience there on social media that's the best case scenario is you are your own unpaid unbonused sales rep and then and then when you get done selling oh by the way you got to deliver the service too it's like that's the it's one of the hardest things to do is to like you know if you're a, a one man shop one woman shop coach consultant thought leader author speaker whatever uh, essentially what they're asking you to do if you follow most marketing advice is to be your own unpaid sales rep spending 2 to 3 hours for 4 hours a day on social media and then oh by the way you still got to actually serve your clients and deliver amazing service create all these systems create all these tools and be a thought leader and write your next book and all this stuff while also being your own unpaid sales rep on social media. Yeah, just the whole thing is just like a house of cards. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's really interesting because I'm exhausted listening to you explain the process, <laughs> let alone actually doing it. So yeah. I can imagine, and and you're not wrong. Like how many, on top of that, it's getting more difficult to differentiate yourself because how many messages do we get a day? And, and that 
filter for me at least goes up. That wall goes up of until I know what you want from me, I don't know if I want to communicate with you, right? Because mm -hmm. hi, how you doing is never hi, how you doing anymore on social media, no. right? No, it is not. always like, please answer me so I can sell you something. And no. you mentioned wanting to be more influential instead of just you know, you mentioned eyeballs and influential, but then on um, your website, you talk about actually making an impact yeah. and getting those people from being just numbers to actually making an impact in their lives. And this is a huge discrepancy between social media and what you're talking about now. Yeah, it, it is. It's influence. Like if you chase attention and I, and I, I ran into a guy, I think I was doing something with GoDaddy and one of the, the people that was on the call were the work for GoDaddy now used to work for Gary V like in his office. And he said, Oh my God, like what you said is so spot on. He's like literally every single meeting that we had about Gary V's content started with how can we get the maximum number of eyeballs on our stuff today? And I think when you start with that as the goal, uh, you end up doing things like posting stuff that's completely outside of your area, posting stuff about your personal life and all this stuff just to get the attention. Social media has outsmarted that strategy though. Because it used to be like when, for example, when Jab, 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 Right Hook came out, brilliant, brilliant book, right? For the time, it was brilliant because you could put value, attention grabbing stuff, and then you could follow it up with a right hook of like business content where you go for the sale. The problem is social media got smart to that. And, and now they only let your jabs through. And then when you go to make your right hook, they're like, they're like holding back your arm going, mm, not so fast. Like our, <laughs> our users aren't, aren't keen on that. They're not really a fan of your right hook. So we're not going to show that right hook to anyone. Right. Uh, and so now all you can do on social media is jab, right? All you can do is give value. All you can do is do stuff that gets attention and eyeballs. And so the purpose of talking about whatever gets attention, I think has just gone by the wayside because social media wised up to that strategy. So it's good for its time. It just doesn't work now. And uh, I think we just need to catch up to what social media actually is now in this moment. And this may change three years from now, but what it is right now in this moment is if you're, if you're like me and you have, let's say 10,000 people that follow you on Facebook, when I post on Facebook, I understand that maybe 150, a couple hundred people see that post. And if they don't engage with it within the first 15 or 20 minutes, if it's not engaging by Facebook's definition, then that post doesn't go beyond those same 150 people. And it's, it's the same testing ground of people that are the most engaged with me that message me and yada, yada. Uh, if, uh, if I don't come up with something that gets engagement by the definition of Facebook of comments and shares, then that doesn't go beyond like my 10,000 people don't see that post. So what I really have is I have a Facebook following of somewhere between two and 500 people. So my yeah. question to every coach is if Facebook showed you the true numbers and they got away with all the, they, they did, they dispensed with all the fake numbers and the vanity metrics. And they, they just said, Hey, you have a Facebook account and you have 500 friends. Would you agonize over what to post? It's like, well, yeah. probably not. You probably go do something else. And yeah. so I think that's just the reality of the world that we live in. Yeah. And I think that this is a really important conversation as well, because you end up having that, Jesus, are people not resonating with what I'm saying, right? Like, is right. what I'm saying not working? So as a marketer, where we're trying to decide what's the best, what message resonates, what's the best thing that's going to connect with my audience, when only a small portion of your audience is seeing that, you can't even do the market research that you used to be able to do on no. social media. No, that's really tough. That's a good point. I mean, you really have to go back to the basics of like talking to people, scheduling calls, and then- <laughs> like being human. Uh, being human, being human. Yeah. And I think you can run ads to a certain degree to kind of test messages and test hooks and stuff like that. So there's value in that. But yeah, like at the end of the day, if 
if the goal, especially if you're uh, selling something where you want to make an impact, right? And you want people to actually use your stuff, put it into action. Um, I'll give you a good example of like what influence actually looks like and and how that's and how it was built. Uh, so I had a client years ago, I used to be a partner in his like coaching consulting business. And we scaled, we scaled that back. But for a while, I was like co hosting a show. And so I, you know, I uh, was very, very deep into building both the business and the podcast. So he started off offering these like $2,000 workshops, hey, come into my office, see how I built my professional service firm, you walk away with all of our systems, all of our tools, all of our intellectual property. Great. He had to jump on the phone with people, he had to message people back and forth, send them a PayPal invoice, do a lot of like handholding and nurturing and sending them hotel information, and all this stuff to get the people to, to do it. Uh, flash forward 12 to 18 months later, after running our podcast, people would, would hear the podcast, listen to a few episodes, go, oh my God, this is amazing. They'd go to the website, they'd sign up, they'd put their credit card down, get on a flight, show up at his office in Omaha, Nebraska and walk in the door and he didn't know who they were. They hadn't talked to anybody. Uh, that's the, that's the difference between influence and attention, right? If you can, if you can get to the point where you are influential and you're known in your space for what you do, like those, those types of things will start happening. It just, it makes everything easier. It makes your marketing easier. It makes your sales easier. It makes the next set of big opportunities in your business easier. So to me, the goal needs to shift to building real enduring influence and put attention where it belongs, which is, that's just the, that's just the table stakes. It's not the end goal of everything. We just need to get the attention of the right people which means then you can get really, really specific and clear on your message. I love it. So for you, when you started to understand the extrovert-introvert relationship, what what was it that caused you to realize, holy crap, I'm actually an introvert? introvert? Was there like an experience oh, or a moment? Well, here's the thing, though. I knew I was an introvert because I was way more introverted when I was younger. So I actually took pride in it. Uh, I would say my dad, like watching my dad grow up, and pastoring churches was the, the closest thing I ever got to any sort of entrepreneurial influence because I didn't I didn't go to college. I didn't know anyone who had even gone to college, let alone graduated. I didn't know anyone who started a business. So I was like the least likely entrepreneur ever, like a homeschool pastor's kid, musician <laughs> turned like, you know, if you'd have told me five years ago, six years ago that I was doing what you did, what I'm doing now, I wouldn't have believed you. So what was interesting, though, looking back now is that I saw my dad run the church as an introvert. Right. So he would show up, he would teach. He, he also led worship. So he did the music part. Uh, and then he had no staff. My mom was the secretary. Uh, he didn't do a lot of counseling. He didn't visit a lot of people in the hospital and stuff like that. He didn't do those sorts of extroverted, touchy feely, peopley things. Um, he spent his time uh, differently and he ran, he ran that operation like an introvert. So I think that kind of seeped into my subconscious. And then now the way that I run my agency is very similar. So I don't have any staff in the same city. I live in San Diego. Everybody's scattered across the country and around the world. I've never had an office. I've always worked from home. Uh, yeah, it just, it kind of bled into every part of, of how I ran the business. And it all goes back to kind of seeing that example as a kid. So I can't say that there was a moment where I realized I kind of always knew I was an introvert. What I didn't know and this is the big aha moment for me was a couple of years ago, I realized, oh crap, I built like the perfect marketing system for me as an introvert that actually leverages the stuff that I'm good at. And I don't need to be Gary Vee. That, that was the big aha moment for me. It's interesting to me that you built this marketing system that was perfect for you without intentionally understanding what you were doing at the time. And I yeah. think that that happens through just honoring 
your boundaries, setting your boundaries and honoring that for yourself. That's the num- That's the thing that's screaming at me right now is like boundaries and exercising them and understanding them um, to build the business that works for you. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I hadn't thought about that either. You're right. Uh, and I do set very clear boundaries with clients and with team members and and they're just the different ways that I run the business. Um, I did a podcast episode on this about Microfamous or on my, the Microfamous podcast about how I run the business as an introvert. And there are a lot of boundaries. But yeah, I totally did not. I did not know that going in. I stumbled into podcasting and realized afterwards this is the perfect environment for, for an introvert to, to market themselves and then started to build the other pieces of the system behind it and around podcasting. And yeah, just it took me several years to realize what I had done. Um, I wish I'd realized it sooner and I wish I'd, I wish I could claim that I was a genius all along and knew what I was doing because <laughs> it make me sound a lot better. We won't tell anyone. We won't yeah, tell exactly. Anyone. For all of you guys that are listening right now, I really want to highlight this for a minute because I think that we fall in a trap as individuals that are making career changes or new entrepreneurs. We fall in this trap of thinking that we've got to have it all figured out before we can act. And this is proof that we don't always know what the big picture is going to be. You know, you don't always know what, where you're going to end up. You're, you're doing the best you can with the resources you have now. And then eventually it grows and you're like, holy cow, I'm onto something. So, yeah. so many people just wait so long to act thinking they got to have it all figured out. It's true. Cause it, you know, you're talking about identity and I've thought a lot about that over the years. Cause my, my identity was so wrapped up in other things that had nothing to do with business that I really struggled when I first became an entrepreneur and had all sorts of limiting beliefs. And I, I came to the conclusion like a year in to being uh, like a freelancer that, Look, I may not have all my mental mindset stuff together and I can't really like I can picture what success looks like. I can't picture me doing it. I can picture someone else doing it's it. Interesting. Right? So but cuz it clashed with my identity. And so I just I basically said to myself, "Look, I may not be able to have the mindset of a very successful person, but I'm around a lot of them and I can do what they do and put one foot in front of the other and see what happens." And that worked for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but it worked for me. And what happened uh, was over time, over the course of a couple of years of just doing things differently and focusing outside of myself on the things that I could control that I did, it changed my identity. I love to, it. Yeah. So like I would have never considered myself a, like a full-time entrepreneur several years ago or a successful business person. That identity change came about from changing the things that I could control, like building systems in my life, building rituals and routines and, and just changing what I did on a daily basis, even if I didn't hundred percent believe that would work. So I think if yeah. you do the right things, if you follow good advice and you put one foot in front of the other, um, you may not be able to feel like you're a different person right away, but it will change you. Yeah, I think that that's a really valuable point that we need to highlight for a minute because so many people will say, oh, when I feel like this, these are the right. actions that I'll take, but yep. they never get to that point because it's the actions that leads to that change of identity. So, so neither that's, that's really cool to point out. So you have the Microfamous podcast, you have the book that is released, you have your website with the resources in your newsletter. What is the best way for people to communicate with you and carry on the conversation if they're <laughs> like, holy crap, this guy's speaking my language? Because it took me two minutes. Two minutes might be generous. It might have been like 30 seconds of like, 
holy cow, where has this guy been my whole life? <laughs> I, for introverts, I hope that's exactly how, <laughs> how it feels. It's funny because I had that same feeling, you know, stumbling across like Seth Godin and Richard Koch and Tim Ferriss and guys like that. Um, so getmicrofamous.com is definitely the best place to connect because you can get into my email list, you know, get the the best episodes of the show, get a digital copy of the book if you want it. Uh, if you're more of a physical book reader like I am, of course, you can go to Amazon and grab the physical copy. But uh, the website's the best way because then if you get into the email list, you get my actual real email and I actually respond. Uh, so that's the best place for people to uh, to connect because that, that's the best way for me to have like an actual conversation with people because I'm not super active on Facebook. Um, you know, I have the profile so that people don't steal my brand name. Uh, and that's kind of just about it. Like I would rather communicate by... Uh, you know, listening to podcasts and, and, and talking with people through email. I love it. I love yeah. it. All right. So let's make a quick switch here for just a minute into the success element of this podcast. I ask every single one of my guests, what does success mean to you? How do you define that for yourself? Well, freedom is my number one value. So it's definitely freedom and specifically having like the three, I think it's time, financial, and then location freedom, like the mobility. So, um, for me, I've been very fortunate to build a lifestyle that gives me those types of freedoms. And uh, so I feel like I've achieved that. And now I just want to keep building my leadership skills and building the the systems of the business so that more and more of it runs without my active involvement. But in terms of like success, like what I what I want my daily life to look like, that's probably the for an introvert, that's the best definition of success is I get to control what my day looks like and who has access to me and for how long. So yeah. yeah, the fact that I don't schedule more than four hours of calls a day, I rarely schedule an appointment afternoon. Like to me, that that was like when I when I made that switch in like 2019, that was when I felt like, man, I've like I have achieved a level of success I never thought I would. You know, it's so important. It's so powerful that you say that because we were talking about this before we started recording that we try to jam so much in. We try to be that person that's going to work 10, 15 hours a day because that's what we're told we're supposed to do. And that might work for just a little bit, but then we end up crashing. Um, I made the joke that unfortunately is completely true about watching 17 seasons of Law and Order and wondering like where all my time went, right? But we end up numbing in whatever way that is to just give that back to ourselves. Whereas if we embrace that boundary of four hours of calls a day, we would actually get a lot more done than 15 hours a day and then 17 seasons of TV. Yeah, as much as I love uh, a Law and Order, I, I, I can. I'm going back through The Mentalist right now. Literally, watch. I'm on season five of The Mentalist. Okay, so here's what here's what freed me up from that. Uh, Richard Koch, the guy that wrote the eighty twenty principle, mm -hmm. he and and he did an amazing interview with Tim Ferriss just here within the last couple of weeks. And I had heard him talk about like his daily schedule and stuff like that. That guy is a half a billionaire, and he started off as just a consultant. And he put all of everything at one point, he put everything that he had in the bank into an investment. Uh, he does not work more than a couple hours a day. Uh, once he stopped being a consultant, he's never worked more than a few hours a day. Uh, Warren Buffett's the same way. So like once you uh, that, that was really what set me free from that is I want to focus my my three to four hours a day of work that I do. I want to focus that in that that sliver of one percent of activities that absolutely move the business forward because ultimately 80% of the rest of that stuff doesn't actually affect the outcome. Yeah. And for the person out there that's saying like, 
I want to only work four hours a day. I'd really encourage you to take a look at your schedule and figure out how much, because I would bet you're probably not working more than four hours a day now, right? I, like I would agree. You, you might be at work for more <laughs> than four hours a day. You're probably not working for more than four hours a day. This was one of the most painful lessons I had to learn is never, ever, whoever your coach is, never tell them that you just don't have time to add anything else to your schedule because they will show you how wrong you are. So I told her this and she's like, all right, for the next um, week, I need you to write down everything you do from the moment you wake up to the moment that you go to bed. And I was like, do you really want my four hours of Facebook time on this list? Like all of a sudden you're like, uh, do I have to tell her? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the way that this went. So, <laughs> you know, when we start to really become accountable for where our time's going and really have those honest conversations with ourselves, then we can get to the point where we're actually spending our time where we want to spend it. Yeah. hundred percent agreed. Yep. I, I just, I don't buy into any of that stuff. And for an introvert specifically, like if you're, if you're in a business like we are, where, you know, the, one of the most important things you can do is be on the phone with somebody, be on a zoom call with somebody. You can't, you can't schedule eight hours of that stuff in a day. You'll burn yeah, yourself you out. Can't. I found like when I was doing that early on in the business, I found out that I needed an extensive, rigorous, disciplined morning routine because I was bracing myself for six to eight hours of calls. When I backed off and I stopped booking anything in the afternoon, I woke up in the morning and I'm like, you know, I'm actually excited to get working. Like, let's let's get yeah. this show on the road. I didn't need an hour of this and that and meditation and journaling and all this stuff. I just didn't need it anymore. I started to actually move some of that stuff into the afternoon. So like, I'll, like part of what used to be in my morning routine now is in my afternoon visits to a coffee shop because yeah. I don't need that just to brace myself to get through a day as an introvert. So yeah, if you're definitely on the introverted side, start looking at your schedule and going, is this actually, just apply the 80-20 rule to all of that stuff and go, is this ab actually moving the needle in the business? Is it making a difference by me showing up? And if not, just start lopping it off and see what happens. Oh my gosh, there's so many powerful things here. And we're, we're, we're touching on so many amazing topics that we could go deeper into um, if we had like four days to talk um, about, you know, being able to delegate those things to other people, letting go yeah. of control of those other things. Like all of this really falls in um, this conversation, but the biggest part of it is honoring yourself, how you recharge, setting those boundaries for yourself. Because if you're exhausted, you, you're no good to anybody, right? Um, and I shared with you before we came on that understanding this changed the game for me personally and professionally. And the reason for that is because I was totally okay to put myself in a timeout for five minutes. Like I was totally okay to say, okay, I need to go find a corner and I need everybody to leave me alone. Yeah. And it's really funny because just this last February, um, I was at an event with my family and I had been with them this one day from like 8 a.m. until almost midnight and I was done. Like I hadn't had a moment to myself. So we were getting ready to go out to um, one of the meetings and I told my mom, I was like, dude, I just need you to leave me alone for five minutes. <laughs> and of course, like that doesn't go over well when you're telling your mom, like, just leave me alone. Right. Yeah. And so at, <laughs> at some point in time, I'm almost in tears. She's telling me I need a new business coach because I'm not like expressing myself. And I'm like, no, you're not hearing me. I need you to leave me alone for five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as you understand this and you're able to say like, Give me a timeout for five minutes. All of your relationships get better, business yes. and professionally. So that's true. 
um, honor that in yourself. I think that that's one of the most important things that we're talking about. So with that, those boundaries, honoring that for yourself, you've talked about your definition of success. When things start to creep up and you start to realize that you're spending more time in places that you maybe don't want to be, or your ship's going off track a little bit, like how do you number one, notice it and number two, correct it? It's a great question. So I, I, there's a couple things that I do that I think help with that. Number one, I track my sleep and I track how I feel when I wake up in the morning. And when I start to notice those numbers going down, like I'm like I'm waking up early in the morning or the quality of my sleep isn't good or whatever. Anyway, so and I actually I, I haven't worked with my business coach officially in two years. I still send him an email, a daily report every day of that stuff, <laughs> which which he finds endlessly hilarious um, and still reads, by the way. So I, so I track that stuff and then that gives me the early warning signs. And then one of the preventative measures that I installed as a result of tracking that stuff and seeing what I was doing is I scheduled a weekly call with my executive assistant. She's in the Philippines. She works for me, you know, X number of hours a week. Uh, but without fail, we jump on every week, even though she doesn't need it necessarily. But what we do is we go through my emails. So she screens all my emails. I only answer the emails that actually need me. Number two is we review and interrogate my calendar together. And I look at the next two weeks of appointments and I go, is, am I putting stuff on the calendar that doesn't actually need to be there? And I, and I talk it through with her, even though, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 the, act, it's the act of sh- forcing yourself to interrogate your calendar and really look at what's essential. Like that has really helped. My mind's going crazy right now. I feel like we need to have some real conversations outside <laughs> of this because like, game changer, game changer, especially, um, when you're working with virtual assistants. So, um, I want to be respectful of your time. I know that we're coming to the end of the time that we have here. Um, again, in the video, if you're looking at this, you see the getmicrofamous.com. Um, if you don't see it, type it in, go there, um, and connect with Matt before we wrap up. I'd love to do a quick random round, let everybody get to know you for just a minute. Are you okay with that? Sure. Hit me. Perfect. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? I would probably time travel to the late sixties. Like, yeah, Jimi <laughs> Hendrix is playing, you know? Yeah. Like I go back and try to be Jimi Hendrix's drummer. The fact that your answer revolves around music is the reason that you are my people. Like <laughs> I, on so many other it, music, <laughs> yeah. Um, what is a book, a resource that you have recommended, other than the um, amazing book that you offer, Micro Famous? Mm-hmm. Um, what is a resource that you would offer to those who are listening that are starting on their entrepreneurial journey? The the systems mindset. Oh, that is an amazing life-changing book that, that it, yeah, it, it changed everything. It's amazing. Just go check it out. Perfect. If you could have any profession other than what you're doing now, what do you think would be fun to attempt? Architect. Really? Yeah. Well, that's my personality type. I'm literally like, like in the 16 personality system. I'm an architect. So yeah, that, that was, it's, it's the, it's the blending of art but it has to work in the real world. The measurements have to be right. has to be right. Uh, that's an interesting thing. It's like art that's bounded in reality. I love it. I um, My brand is actually Success Architect, Design Your Life. So that's my favorite answer anybody's ever given yeah. me. And it's the same reason. Design it. It's got to fit, right? Like yes. it has to work. So. It has to work. That's really cool. All right. So my favorite question, the music question, okay. what's your pump up song? Ooh. Oh, 
Oh man, there's so many to choose from. Um, Audio Slave, um, Gasoline. I love it. So the moment that I ask that question and somebody like sits up and all of a sudden like color comes to their face and they're like, oh, let's go. I'm like, uh-huh. dude, where? Yes, I was going to say, people. like, I, I really have to like not regale you with 17 different songs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm Alice the same in Chains, way. Dream Theater. Like I could go way, way deep. Yeah. So what I don't tell anybody until after they answer that question, because it always changes their answer, is I have this amazing playlist of everybody's pump-up songs who's ever been on this podcast (laughs) and all of the answers that they've ever given me. Um, And so I'm happy to share that out to anybody who wants it. I can send it to you, Matt, if you want it. Um, But yes, it's that like, yes. So I'll tell people that and they'll be like, no, no, I need to change my answer. I'm like, nope. No, not too late. Nope, can't do it. So (laughs) No, we already know it's Summer Breeze. Yes, exactly. It's going to the suck up mix. Yes, yes. So I've got everything from like classical music to, you know, hardcore yeah. rap to religious songs. So it's amazing. Yeah, um, awesome. Matt, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. If you're yeah. listening to this, go check out the book, check out the website, get on his email list. I promise you, especially for those of you out there who are introverts or who are closet introverts that are going to you know, make your way out of there so that Matt can help you. You will be so thankful you did. Thanks, Amber. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in the name of that facebook group is success center head over there request to join and i look forward to connecting with you soon